here they all are now again, the Irish in Sweden. And they've been digging around the bottom of the wardrobe. And they've been thinking to themselves, Jesus, I wish I'd scraped the muck off me football boots before I threw them in there at the end of last season. Because do you know what? The Gaelic football season is about to be upon us again, ladies and gentlemen. April the 22nd, it kicks off down below in Malmo there. No doubt there will be a visit to Miller and our friends down there at Fagan's pub. And uh, there'll be great celebrations to be had. But first, there will be a day of football at, I'm presuming it's Limham's felt it. And everybody is just getting caught up again. And I'm looking on the Instagram. And the boys above there in Yavla, sure, aren't they? After finding some sort of an indoor facility. And they're playing away in there despite the snow. And the boys and girls in Stockholm are looking at that going, holy Jesus, hang on a second here. We better get ourselves together. And in Malmö and in Gothenburg and all over the place, they're looking at this going, right, here we go. Here we go. It's time to get started again. It has been that sort of a winter. We thought it was over. We thought, okay, it's after getting a bit of warm, warmer now. The snow is gone. A little bit grey in the sky. We can live with that. The lovely warm temperatures. Not at all. Then came the snow battling down again. And if you're new to this scene, boys and girls, this can happen, right? It's that simple. It hasn't happened for quite some time. We've had very mild winters over the last few years. But all of a sudden now this year, we thought we were done with the snow and it came back and it just gave us another slap in the chops and here we are now and you can't get out jogging with Colm O'Callaghan, you can't do anything like, well, you probably can. Colm's probably out there running like a madman. But uh, yeah, that has set us back just a little bit. But as I say, the best days are ahead of us. We'll soon be into spring and then it'll be summer and then we'll have another wonderful, wonderful time throughout the summer months that can't be beat in this part of the world. It's just magnificent. My name is, of course, Philip O'Connor. I'm in my little bunker, my little studio, a stone throw from St. Derek's plan still getting over the Patrick's Day right I never realised how difficult this was going to be despite the fact that I haven't drank a drop in about 15 years I was worn out after it uh, and yet you know it was just it was such brilliant crack and seeing so many people despite the rain that we had uh, at the parade in Stockholm I'm not sure how the weather was down in Malmo there I'll have to check in with the lads but a brilliant day a brilliant time, topped off with a Grand Slam victory uh, for Ireland in the rugby. I'm sure Carl Lambert and uh, Cormac O'Brien and all the lads who love rugby, Dave Hanley, all the big rugby fans would have been out watching that game and enjoying it. And I hope you really enjoyed it and you're looking forward to your season, not just the Gaelic football season, of course, because the Irish and Sweden are all over the sport over here. Chris O'Reilly and the handball and Michelle Cotter with the camogie and the whole works. Uh, this week is an interesting podcast. Only just struck me now that there's loads of women on this week's podcast, and we like that. And I'm forever saying, right, that it's always easy enough to get the lads to talk, right? Because we always think that we have something to say for ourselves and that everybody wants to hear. Sure, don't I do it twice a week myself? Uh, but it's always that little bit more difficult on occasion to get women to talk. So it was brilliant. Uh, this morning I was at the breakfast. I'm talking to you on the Thursday, and this will be out on the Monday, right? So this morning, Kim Hurlund sent me a message. And she said that the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden was having its regular monthly breakfast at Urban Deli. And she very kindly said, come in and I'll buy your breakfast. And she said, Jesus, if you float a rasher in front of my nose there, I'd be at it like a rat up a drain pipe. So I took off in there anyway early this morning. Even got out of my bed early for the bell came. And she said, uh, there's two new committee members in there. So we're going to talk to them first. And then when we're done talking to them, uh, we shall talk a little bit to Grace O'Malley. Grace dropped by the studio a little bit earlier on. And she came down to talk about sports. 
Buds and Seal, our amateur dramatic group that is here in Stockholm, and they are planning a production of uh, Dancing at Lunasa, the great Brian Friel play, which is coming up in May. And Grace is a brilliant character altogether, like very educated, right? A, a trained actor slash actress slash writer slash director slash written musicals. And I had a fascinating chat with her about moving over to Sweden and what was different and what wasn't different and what she's enjoyed about it and how she's sort of, you know, now after uh, with three young children that she's finding her way back into writing and to performing a little bit as well. And having been a professional former, a performer, now getting into the amateur dramatics and, and the crack that she's getting out of that. So that is, com- is coming up shortly. But let us drop in first on the lovely breakfast meeting this morning that we had. And we are going to talk to the lovely Sophie Murphy, who has been involved in almost all the community organisations over the last little while, and the equally lovely and wonderful Carrie Cook, who is joining the board of the Chamber of Commerce for the first time, starting her own business. She's involved in textiles and that kind of thing. Uh, just, I think she's just finishing her education as a textile designer and that has been involved in interior design and that before and she's getting stuck in now to the Chamber of Commerce and it was great to hear because there were outgoing board members uh, Charles, Carl Lambert uh, and a, a couple of other people who were involved in the board there who've done great work in getting the thing set up and really getting it rolling and now the two girls are coming in they have really great ideas around communications and events and that kind of thing so here's a little chat with them from this morning Right, Murphy, stop swearing. We're going to start talking for the podcast. We are here. We are in, what's the name of this place again? Urban Delhi, isn't it? On, on Sveavegel. With the two newest female members of the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. How did you get co-opted into this? Had you not enough to be doing, no? Well, I thought about, it was about time to like switch from SS over to something more connected to what I do for a living. And what's that? Uh, PR and marketing. So I thought that... They might get some use of my skills here. We'll see. Very, we'll see. very modest of you. I'm trying to be modest here. Like, you know. <laughs> you have been sort of the go-to woman over the last few years in terms of the only person in the whole country who knows how to use Canva on behalf of the Irish community, make a, a logos, that kind of thing. Were you very much in demand from the Chamber of Commerce, were you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got attacked by Rory. <laughs> so <laughs> he was like, oh, have you thought about maybe joining the ACS? I was like, oh, maybe. And he's like, you really need the designing skills. I was like, think about it. I'll think about it. So he didn't leave me until I said yes. There you go. A very easy one to, uh, to persuade. We also have Carrie who's here. Carrie, is this your first year on the board of the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden? And how, how did they manage to grab you as well? Yeah, well, I joined as a student member, although I am a grown-up, not, a stu- not, <laughs> not too youthful. Uh, but, uh, so I joined as a student member uh, about this time last year. And they are keen to get more students joining and also I'm starting a business, so just about to graduate from my textile qualification and now starting a business. So I think it's interesting to have somebody who is an entrepreneur starting out on the board to kind of bring in that view of things as well. When you joined as a student member, right, because that's a sort of a perspective maybe we haven't heard a whole lot of before, what were you looking for out of the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden and did it provide it for you? Um, I think for me one of the things that I felt like I was missing was uh, connections here. So I'd been living in London previously and was kind of very aware that if I was starting a business there, if I was, you know, in a community there, I would have lots of connections already and that I didn't have that 
same plugged-in kind of feel as I would have had either in London where I was living before or in Ireland. Um, so that was kind of mostly what I was looking for was kind of people to talk to, people who are interested in uh, helping you do well. So every time I talk to a new person, they're like, oh, I know someone you should talk to and this person started a business or this person knows about textiles. You should, you know, and it's that lovely way of like getting connected to people through a shared interest and a shared enthusiasm to see people do well and get connected. Being, let's not say co-opted, being voted onto the board, right? That's going to mean you're starting a business. Uh, your movie's laughing in the background here already. And um, what do you hope to bring to the table? What do you think is going to be expected from you as as a board member here, as somebody who's increasing the gender diversity, as somebody who's starting their own small business, hopefully to grow much, much bigger? What do you think you're going to be able to bring to the whole thing? Um, I hope that one of the things I'll bring is asking some questions about diversity and inclusion. So for me, that's really important in whatever space that you're in to ask who's not at the table. Uh, how can we bring in more student members, more young people, maybe more people that are starting out rather than all only people who are in big corporates, mm. that there's kind of a space for lots of different voices. I obviously do quite a creative job, not based behind a computer all day. Uh, so I look at things from a different point of view and from a creative point of view and hopefully bringing a bit of that creativity and style into some of the new marketing materials and into some of the events. Sounds like somebody's moving in on your territory there, Smurf. Two creative women on the on the board. It's about teamwork, you know, and we've got Kim as well. It's, a, it's the most uh, Swedish thing you've ever said to me. Oh, <laughs> it's like we've got Kim as well as a parent communication pro, so I think that we're going to make a great team Carrie, Kim and myself. The last few years when you've been involved in the Irish community as one of the, the real sort of Swedish Irish community because you were born here, went to school here, etc, etc, right? Um, one of the major things that you went into was communication, visibility, bringing in more women, bringing in more young people. Where are we on the road now? Is there still a lot to do or are we doing an awful lot better than what we were previously? I think that compared to when I first joined SAS two years ago, we've come a very long way and people actually know who we are now, both like the Chamber, SIS and the Gales. But we still have a lot to do, and I think that there's still a lot of people that would be benefited by joining uh, the Gales or the Chamber or SIS, uh, because there are still people who arrive in this country who've got no idea who to talk to or who to ask about taxes or housing or whatever. Um, so the question now is like, how can we make sure that they know exactly where to go as soon as they get to Stockholm or whatever city they're moving to and that's also one of the things that we'll be working on this year is like how can we actually decentralize all the organizations and make sure that we include every single city in Sweden and not just people who get Stockholm because now we've got a big Irish community in Javle, Malmö, Gothenburg so just making sure that everybody feels seen and heard and that we can assist wherever you're located in the country. Uh, Carrie, how, how long have you been in Sweden now? Uh, coming up to five years at the end of May. What was the original experience? Because I moved here 23 years ago. Sophie was obviously born here. Can you remember what it was like arriving over here the first time? Uh, did you did you find it easy to meet other Irish people? To find it easy to meet people in general when you moved here? Uh, no, I found it quite difficult. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> the short answer. Um, 
Yeah, I think I had expected that we would meet more people through my husband's work, which is why we moved here in the first place. And that hasn't transpired at all. You know, people tend to... I'm detecting a note of disappointment in your that, voice. Yeah, that was hard. I mean, I think we were very fortunate that we put our kids in a forskula that was a very local Swedish forskula that had quite an international group of families involved and we made a lot of friends through that and then sort of friends of ours from the UK who were like oh we know people in Sweden and connected us that way um, but it actually took me quite a while to get involved in the Irish society I think because of Covid there was the sort of you know we'd been here a year or two when that began <laughs> that's alright Kim don't worry we, we won't cut that out um, because of Covid then there was that sort of two year gap of not meeting new people and only hanging out with the people locally who we knew um, and so then last year when I heard about the St. Patrick's Day Parade I was like aha there are Irish people finally in Stockholm. it hadn't really occurred to me that there were so many Irish people here and that was really exciting I was like oh that's what I'm missing is people who get the joke and you know enjoy a bit of a chat and a laugh and that you know, community sense. The question is, where did we go wrong, right? Because obviously when you moved over here, you were open to this. You were open to finding an Irish community, that kind of thing. Why didn't we find you? Why weren't we there for you, do you think? Were we not in the places where you were, so to speak? Or what can we do better for people arriving here? Yeah, I think that is a... If there's a way to connect in with, you know, some of the companies that do the transfers Mm. of, you know, so we had some help moving over, help finding a house and things like that. But... um, and there are those organizations that move do corporate moves yeah. and maybe that's a great place that we can just touch in and say you know yeah. we're here as emotional support moral support <laughs> business support yeah. on the subject of emotional support where can people find the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden where can they find the kind of support that Carrie so richly deserved but was so deeply let down by us where, where can we go <laughs> Uh, well, you can email us at it's always our first name dot surname and then at iccsweden.com or uh, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them. Irishchamber.se is the is the website. And of course, since very recently, since uh, actually the Irish Chamber of Commerce lunch that we had a while ago, this Irish and Sweden podcast is now on irishandsweden.com or .sa. I can't even remember. I put stuff up there every week. So all of these things are out there. Um, what are you looking forward to most with the next, your first year on the board here? Oh, lots of things. Uh, no, very excited about maybe like revising uh, the brand profile and doing some design. Oh, such a marketing nerd. I know, I know, I know. Such a nerd. Uh, but also like getting to know everyone on the board. It's like I've got to know all the gales now and uh, the committee on the SAS and people through that. But uh, very excited about getting to know more people, like the corporate sphere of the community. Careers flying all together. And for you, Carrie, what are you looking forward to in the year to come with the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden? 
Um, certainly that sense of community and having you know people in your corner is really good. Um, but also kind of at the events, having that opportunity to have a role within those events. I often feel like a bit of a spare part if I don't have a job. So it's nice to... Uh, That's why I make a podcast. Around. It's good, isn't it? To have like a reason to talk to people, you know, introduce people to each other and that, that feels nice to me. I can't wait to see what you have and no doubt there'll be plenty of them on this podcast. But for this morning, for this breakfast, ladies, thank you very much indeed for talking to me. Nice to see you. There you go. Great to hear such wonderful things happening around the breakfast table. And if you are in Stockholm or if you're doing business in Stockholm once a month, it is down at Urban Delhi. I think the deal is that if you're part of the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden, uh, you pay 100 crowns for your breakfast and the food is lovely, right? And there's all sorts of stuff and the scrambled eggs and there does be the bacon and there does be cheeses and meats and coffees and overnight oats, which I believe is actually just cold porridge and all sorts of other stuff besides, but it is magnet juice. Oh, Jesus, you couldn't beat the juice and that kind of thing that they have there as well. And it's lovely. Uh, I was talking to Declan Keegan down there who lives close by. He popped down uh, Declan, who is the chair of the the whole organisation was there. Marie from Ericsson was there and it was just, you know, great chat and great to talk about people. Or great to talk about people. Great to talk with people. We don't talk about people. We're talking with people and uh, just getting some ideas for things that could be doing. It's a great way to catch up with the business community and some people are involved there in mentoring and helping uh, Irish-based businesses to get going. And of course, people are helping each other with contacts and exchanging numbers and what have you. So it's all very good. Well worth getting involved in. And as I think the girls might have mentioned there, Sophie's big into decentralised right and we've heard this so many times and it's something that we come back to on the podcast as well the recent trips to Malmo were a part of that and I'm going to be down in Gothenburg again now reasonably soon but the whole idea of getting things going in other places around the country right even if it is only a small Irish community of a few people or that but there are people around the country in Westeros and that kind of thing they want to get together you know end shopping doesn't matter where you are and in, a, in one way, lads, it's kind of up to you, right? Because with the best will in the world, we can't know where everybody is all the time, right? So rather than sitting there on your hands, uh, do get in touch and say, right, you know, I have this or I'm in this place. Can you help me? Or can I do something? Can I use your name? And I'm sure that Sophie Murphy and Carrie and Kim and Declan and everybody else would be more than happy uh, to, to invite you to join the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden and to help you with your business and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to do. On that note, I think they may have mentioned it and if they didn't I'm going to mention it young Anthony Morrissey down below in Gothenburg is flying he is uh, I think he was just elected to the board there as well uh, I'm going to talk to Anthony actually next time I haven't even asked him yet but I'll just come straight out and say it here in the podcast so I'm going to try to meet him when I'm down in Gothenburg the next time and do a little interview with him fantastic guy right still doing a bit on the sports and sports management front I think he's still doing a little bit for Munster Rugby and he's talking to a few of the soccer clubs down there and he is talking to you know hockey clubs and that uh, lads I, I don't often give sort of personal recommendations but this guy is a powerhouse right so it doesn't matter what business you're in if you're looking for ideas if you're looking for events if you're looking for ways to engage with customers or with teams or anything else like that talk to Anthony right find him on LinkedIn Anthony Morrissey Gothenburg you'll find him reach out to the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden and they'll put you in touch uh, we want to get this lad working he's going to be a tremendous addition to the community already has been right but we you know we need to open doors for one another and we need to think of one another as well there's no point in sitting there right 
uh, if you're down below in Gothenburg or if you're in Vorbeer or Halmstad and somebody says to you, yeah, no, we could do with getting a good few bob into the local soccer team so we can get into the Allsvenskan, there's no point in scratching your head going, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I don't know anybody. Yeah, Anthony Morrissey could do it for you, right? So let's get in touch. Let's share our contact details. Let's share our networks with each other. The rising tide will eventually lift all boats. Speaking of which, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm is where your rising tide can help my little boat here. Uh, I had an interesting one there recently, just as I'm sitting here today. The BBC did uh, a story today on a Cambodian GAA club called Korja Khmer, which is in uh, Phnom Penh in Cambodia. And everybody has sending me the link, lads. I swear to Jesus, I've never had so many links. Because, and it's great. Everybody knows I love the guy. And in particular, I love the guy abroad. And that I live and die for the guy abroad, right? But the thing is, didn't I have your man Ronan Sheehan on the Global Gale podcast last Saturday morning? Sure, I was talking to him at all about this and how they're trying to raise money to get to the World Games, which are being held in Derry. Uh, we're hoping to send a team uh, from Sweden or from you know from Gothenburg in particular, but from Sweden to honour the, the the memory of Kevin Higgins, who was from Limavady and passed away there a little while ago. But the lads are trying to get there from Cambodia, and obviously people over there don't earn as much as we do, you know. So go and have a listen to that Global Gale podcast, and you will hear that interview with Ronan and indeed with Claire Cunningham, who uh, used to live here in Sweden. She was over here with a rock band called Thunderbother, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and just appeared as a Grand Old Opry on the 18th of March as part of their St Patrick's weekend, you know. But listen, between the jigs and the reels the whole thing that i'm trying to get to is that i need your support to keep these things going right so uh, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in stockholm you can swish a few bob to one two three two four two four one six six that's one two three two four two four one six six now when you swish that that doesn't go into my pocket for when i go to mcdonald's lads or for when i'm going to visit my lovely sponsor martin hessian down at veerstrom's pub or when i'm buying a bit of charcoal from jane's linus for the barbecue as soon as i get it out of the shed uh, it goes straight into the business system so the vat is paid and all the taxes are paid and it everything else like that so it's not like money under the table or anything else like that because boy Jesus we all know you don't want to get on the wrong side of the tax man in this country but all of those small contributions you might not be able to afford a fiver a month uh, on Patreon that's fine you might be a student you might be over here trying to get yourself up that's grand all of these podcasts will always be out there for free I never put a barrier like especially a financial barrier in front of playing with the GEA or playing soccer here or listening to these podcasts they're for everybody lads but that means then that the private individuals and the businesses that can support them I'd really appreciate it if they did support them and that really goes for all our community organisations so if there are companies out there who thought that it was a good idea uh, to support, for instance, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Throw a few bob this way. We'll feature your company on here. We'll talk about you. We'll talk about your individuals. We'll talk about the people working for you and the goals that you have and setting up businesses here and the lives of the people that you bring over here from Ireland. And we'll do our best to help them out, to build communities for them. Because, as I say, it's a community podcast. It only exists because you do. Speaking of community podcasts and community groups, those of you who lived in Stockholm for a while will be well aware of Spuds and Sill, the Amateur Drama Society, that is the drama wing of the Swedish Irish Society. And every year, pandemics notwithstanding, they put on an L production here in Stockholm. And this year, it's going to be Brian Friel's Dancing at Lunasa. And this year, there's going to be a little bit of a difference, right? Because whereas the shows are always brilliant, with brilliant actors and brilliant plays, Niall Balf has previously written plays, especially in the past, uh, for the, the, the drama group to perform. This year, it's going to be Brian Friel's Dancing at Lunasa. And this year, we also have a wonderful Irish writer and actor and director and theatre person and all-round good egg, Grace O'Malley. So I got Grace to come in here to me little studio 
she's living out there in the north side of town. I think she's out in Solentuna, she said to me. And she came in to sit down in front of the podcast microphone. And no better woman. No stage fright there, I'll tell you, lads. And we decided we'd have a chat about how she moved over here and how she got involved in Spuds and Sill. And how it's, like everybody else, it's helping her to find a context and a network and to build all those things. Without further ado, as the saying goes, here's Grace O'Malley to tell us a little bit about the upcoming production and her good self. Grace O'Malley. We will get to the drama in a second, but there might be a little bit of drama about how you got to Sweden. What was it that brought you here? My husband, he's Swedish, um, and he, just during COVID, he got a job offer and we were like, well, not much going on here, so might as well. It was kind of mad because, you know, Ireland was in the middle of like that, was it like two kilometre from your house? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we got here and, you know, we could go and meet friends. We could have parties there were like restrictions on numbers but you could be outside meeting friends and people were hugging us and it was a bit of a shock but a lovely one it was amazing how everything changed Eamon Dunphy was absolutely fascinated with it and he used to get me on his podcast like once a month going oh really are you serious can you still go to the pub like you know and and Eamon has emphysema so he wasn't leaving his house at all you know how how difficult was it to organise that in the middle of Covid because you had to have tests before getting on aeroplanes you had to find somewhere to live and all that kind of thing yeah so we the the complicated things was finding somewhere to live we ended up buying a house online like an amazon purchase it was crazy without seeing it (laughs) without seeing it we have really good friends a very trustworthy friend went to see it and she knows me um and the pictures nowadays are very good and as well with swedish interiors and swedish houses like they are generally of a very good standard Mm. and we're we lived it it's a nice neighborhood so we were pretty we trusted it but it was a bit of a like what the fudge are we doing here? But we did it. It's, it's, uh, uh, my head is exploding. Oh, really? But it just, it was, you know, <laughs> I was just thinking, Jesus, I'd love to have a friend that good and I could trust her word to buy a house on it. Emily is like Google. Like you can just, I say, let's ask Emily. It's like, let's ask Google. She's like, she's a holy grail of just knowledge. The knower of all things. Yeah, basically. Um, But yes, yeah, so that was okay. It was getting Layla. So we had three kids yep. and Layla was maybe eight or nine months getting her passport organized was the trickiest thing we had to like write a special letter to brian or simon coveney was it yeah yeah simon coveney and um get him to like get in touch with the passport office to because the passports were a mess during no one was doing any passports yeah um philip my husband was due to start his job like we had to be there so that was a bit of a stress but actually traveling getting the injection or the the test the, oh, the COVID we, test, yeah, the yeah, test yeah. yeah and traveling was a delight like I've never had a lot nicer travel with my three kids because no one else was there so yeah. it, was it was perfect empty plane the yeah. whole thing yeah it's magical God, <laughs> it must have been fantastic stress free yeah um, did you you'd obviously been to Sweden if you're Sweden is uh, if you're Sweden as a husband if your husband is Swedish <laughs> you've been here before and that kind of thing what, yeah. what did you expect because there's a big difference between coming here on holidays when everybody wants to see you and living here when nobody's time to talk to you kind of thing it's mad like I've written about it a couple times but the whole we've lived in Europe in a few different places I met my husband when I was 19 and we lived in London for 10 years so I was like I'm an adaptable person I'm good with moving and traveling I can handle this but coming here was such a culture shock and I was so shocked because I I, like you said I've been coming back and forth to Sweden for like 
10, 15 years. But mm. living here is just such a Scandinavia is a world of its own. Yeah. So it, it was a culture shock. And even within that, like there's, there's worlds. I, last week or the week before, I can't remember. It's gone mad now altogether. I took the... I flew down to Copenhagen and then I did some interviews in Copenhagen and then I came back over to Malmo and all these places are just a little bit different. Yeah. And the way people sort of, you know, greet you and meet you is just a little bit it's different. It's a little bit different, yeah. And the first day, actually, I have, we have to go back to the house, right? The first time you stuck the okay. key in the door of your house, <laughs> did, did Emily do a good job? Did she? Were you she happy did with a great job. We were very happy and we were, like it was nerve wracking, but like I said, the pictures nowadays are so good that it was what, we kind of saw on the pictures and she also when she went to visit it she videoed us so we did a video call and she literally went into every crook and nook and cranny as well and so we'd seen like everything that could possibly have been wrong with it or anything and she's also her they are her and her husband are big into real estate in that area so they would be quite aware of what a good house would be and mm. what to look for so they were they were good they Just were great fantastic so you were delighted you opened the door and went yes great it was, yeah it was so nice in that it was wonderful it's uh it's it, looking back now it, you know my head was still in a bit of a fit like a it was such a mad time yeah, in, yeah. in your head so i just had a baby it was covid We'd just been told three months you're going to sell the house that you've just bought and renovated in Ireland. And so that was sold. And then we were going to buy this house that I wasn't even going to see in Sweden. So it was all just crazy anyway. So getting there and just knowing that the house was standing and had floors and ceiling and didn't have like damp or, you know, that radon thing that people talk about all the time. Oh, the radon gas. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that those things were not like it was a house that worked was... Amazing. Jesus, <laughs> You're out in the north side of Stockholm now, are you? Yeah, we're in Solentuna. In Solentuna. Yeah, okay. Solentuna is very big. Is it sort of close to the city, Solentuna? It's weekend. Yeah, it's weekend. Yeah. Okay, that's a very nice area altogether. Lovely area. And yeah. it, it felt to me like I was moving into Pippi Longstocking village. Yeah, yeah. Like it looked like the books that I'd seen yeah. from Sweden. So for me, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm living the Swedish dream. Well, <laughs> is that the way it turned out? Because when you come over here and we'll get to, you know, you're working in writing and the arts and all this kind of thing, right? But when you, when you finally land here, right, you find somewhere for the kids to go to daycare yeah. or to go to school and that. And you have to sort of create a life for yourself from yeah. that. How easy or difficult or otherwise was that for you? Ask Emily, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> You just Emily, speed dial every basically <laughs> Emily and another good friend Johanna was like where do I go for this what do I do for that like they have two they but my husband's two best friends are living 10 minutes away from us oh, and please. we literally just copied their lives so put their names down for doggies and harassed the headmistress there until they let us in and the hard thing was the admin because I didn't have a job and I didn't have uh, social benefits so then I couldn't yeah. get a bank account yeah so the apps and the admin and that stuff, that was kind of... Banky, yeah, all this banky, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That was a mind blow. But the other stuff was actually okay. I mean, it took time, but we, we managed it. Yeah. What was the hardest part of it, apart from the, the apps and that kind of thing? Because sometimes there's a situation where you're doing all these things and it actually feels great while you're doing stuff. Yeah. But then when you come to the point where you're just being in this situation that you go, hang on a second, you know, I wouldn't mind being closer to my own parents at Definitely. home or my friends at home. Was that the thing for you? Was it hard to find a context for yourself? The media shock was the language. So getting like emails from my kids' school in another language that yeah. I was not comfortable with was that was like, oh no, I don't know what they're telling me. That yeah. was, and you know, you can use Google Translate, but it 
when you just want to see immediately in front of you information, it's yeah. it's weird that it's all in double dutch. Yeah. Um, and then initially after the kind of, because at the beginning, we didn't care about not being around fat. Like we just put our heads down and kind of worked. Yeah. And then after about six months, I was like, oh, it'd be really nice to have had my mom here for this. Mm. Or, oh, I wish someone would help me here with bringing Oscar to swimming. Or, yeah. you know, those little things that you don't have that support network mm. and the friends again have been amazing but mm. you can't ask friends to do stuff that you can ask your family to do no no so yeah that that is being and unfortunately philip's family are in copenhagen and gothenburg okay. so we don't have he has a brother in stockholm but he's um on a different part of his life journey at the he yeah. at when we moved over he was still a bachelor yeah so it's um yeah you just don't have the same grandparents and you know so many families in Sweden rely on grandparents so yeah. it's a huge um, difference for us but friends have been amazing well, it's like said that saying like it, it takes a village to raise a child you yeah. know and with, with the, the Irish mommy and the Irish granny will always be knocking down to the point where you have to shove them out I on know. occasion you know? I know sometimes it's nice not to have Amzi pop over for a cup of tea at like five o'clock when you're putting on the dinner and she's asking you to put on the kettle as well yeah. and then, then all of a sudden you find yourself two and a half hours away yeah, exactly. you're going, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad after all you know yeah um, how did you manage then because like the first time I went uh, we lived in Mashta when we first moved over here and I think it took me seven visits to what used to be node banking mm. to get a savings account yeah and it was just like you know i honestly felt like i was in the circus and yeah. they're going, okay jump through this hoop now jump through this hoop now jump through this hoop covered in fire and is that how it worked out for you or did you get a straight Ica banking Ica banking was the yeah. one you just went straight gave, down to your local anyone shop. gave it uh, they give anyone a bank account Brilliant. so once you get Ica banking then you can it, you, so you need one of the three things in order to get the other things rolling yeah so Ica was at the time just giving anyone a bank account so i was trying initially with scb and they were like no we not don't, a chance. We don't care. Yeah. yeah. So I still have Ikea Bank in and it's it's kind of it feels like a student, like it's a very restricted card. So it's good for me because it doesn't allow me to buy a lot of things. <laughs> no online shopping here, thank you. No, very little. <laughs> so then I got a Revolut card and then just put all like any big purchases I do on my Revolut card or any yeah. like online security stuff that don't take Ikebank and they take Revolut. They take Revolut. <laughs> yeah. Michelle Cotter, who is a regular guest on this podcast, would be delighted with that. She works for them over here and is okay. introducing. So if you have any problems with that, Cotter, get ready, right? Grace we are huge. My husband works for Visa. So he's always promoting Revolut. There and you go. Yeah, they're a huge help for transfer like if you're traveling or transferring money within con different countries and different people it's amazing well full disclosure and it's not just because i like michelle cotter from county Clare. i actually <laughs> got one because when i go to do these big sports events around the world a lot of them are sponsored by visa okay and when you go inside the olympic bubble or the world cup bubble they only they take, only take visa. us yeah and handles banking here in sweden they just changed all my business cards and my to personal MasterCard. cards to mastercards mm -hmm. like this isn't worth a shite lads i know. You know so i end up getting a revolute card so mastercard's uh, the biggest card here yeah, it seems to be, which is very annoying because, like, I mean, I had Amex for a while and then it was like, no, nobody not takes a chance. anywhere. Not like, a know? chance. But the LVZ card and the Revolut card seems to work. And I yeah. also discovered that um, my mother can put money onto cards for the kids from Ireland and it's just, you know. Oh, that's very handy, yeah. sort of transferring. And you can handy. you can set up a Revolut for kids that's like, you control it. Yeah. So they still, it's like a piggy bank, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. The, the other thing is when um, you have certain people <clears> who are working <throat> over here who are only here for maybe a year or two. Yeah, exactly. And they have Revolut on the phone. So when we go to GEA tournaments, somebody gets a round of drinks or somebody buys all the bus tickets yeah. or somebody gets a lunch for everybody. And now if you have Revolut, it's kind of like Swish here in Sweden. So much easier. Exactly. They can yeah. just send it to you. So, uh, But it would be kind of this, this 
anything or all for competition like would it be I just wish it was just one of them you know I pick know. Swish or Revolut or pick whatever one. you know? I know how did it go on the work front did you have you sort of given yourself put yourself into that world yet or in, well I work for myself so I'm a writer so I don't I, a lot of my stuff is still at home yeah. so um, I was an actress originally and then I had the kids and that all just when COVID didn't really pick itself up again so I wrote a musical yeah and we put on the musical just before COVID hit and that then kind of fell apart with COVID and yeah yeah but, it went out of that whole business yeah, at that point didn't it yeah it was very frustrating but um so yeah now I'm working on a new play and I'm writing uh little things for different journalistic things so yeah it's um Layla's my youngest is just two and a half so I think in the next six months I'll be keen to get into it more and more but I've been happy to have the time with the kids while they've been little so yeah. that's been really nice well, it's the kind of thing that you don't get back again exactly you know, so that's, uh, frustrating but really nice yeah well that's it like you look back at it fondly as soon as you've moved them all out of your house you know? yeah and um, when it comes to things like that you mentioned journalism which is obviously something I have a little bit of experience yeah in. does it annoy you that it's easier to get paid for writing an article about Sweden or buying a house yeah. in Sweden than it is to get funding for a play or a yeah. book or a musical. Is that the source of great frustration to you? It, to me, just you can't make work in Ireland unless you have the Arts Council behind you. Like there's yeah. no other funding and there's so many projects that don't get made because there isn't money for it. Mm. Yet if someone wants to post something on Instagram and say, I've been to this hotel and it's a, like you can get sponsored and yeah somebody will give you a grand for doing this exactly and a free, free suite and this kind of thing it's like one article that someone will read for maybe two minutes over their cup of coffee yet yeah. there's this work that you could put on and p- could change people's lives and yeah. yeah it's it is frustrating but it's also part of that world that you know a lot of people i know who are playwrights or who are novelists will take those jobs in order to bankroll mm. the other stuff so it does it has a positive side to it too that yeah. you can get these things to do the stuff that you really want to do yeah i'm just going to adjust this microphone just a little bit there because you have a lovely voice and we want to get the most out of it here you know yeah. um it has been a thing like you know over the pandemic and that kind of thing i was doing two things i was reading books about basketball and boxing and i was trying to read ulysses for the first time oh right? i've got that friend i'm reading crime and punishment and then my next one is ulysses and i'm like very nervous it's, it's, it's taken a while <laughs> i get there and i finally got, i kind of got over the hump of it now where yeah. i actually sort of look forward to picking oh it up, that's right? nice but it struck me that all of those guys, James Joyce, uh, Beckett, all these guys wrote stuff like you're having to do now. They wrote, yeah, you know, some they of just them wrote, wrote pornography. Some mm-hmm. of them wrote, you know, articles and this kind of thing. George Orwell was a great one for it as well. While he was yeah. writing, you know, 1984 and Animal Farm, he was working as a journalist as well, you know. Yeah. Um, they're two entirely different kinds of yeah. writing, you know. Uh, how do you switch from one to the other? Or do you find that one very much influences the other? Um, I think one is practice for the other. So the journalistic stuff that I do, I find is very good practice for then when I do sit down to write a play. It's like going to the gym. Mm. I find that that stuff is good for like your writing muscles and you're mm. dipping into stuff. And then when you really need to dip in, you've kind of got that muscle a little bit ready to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you might use a couple of sentences in an article that in a play you might need 
all of those sent like the whole paragraph will be those sentences yeah. whereas in the article you might have two or three of those sentences so mm-hmm. it's great i find it great practice and it's if it, that's also why i enjoy doing it because if as long as you're writing then you're working you're yeah, going yeah. to the gym you're practicing it yeah I can't remember who it was I said it years ago they said writing is easy you just sit at your desk just sit at your desk and do it until, That's, no, no, but until drops of blood oh, form on your happens. forehead <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah. I, I never had that problem I've never had that sort of you know writer's blocker oh have you not no well th- thankfully I mean touch wood you never know when it'll happen yeah but, I, I was talking to a journalist in Rathmines years ago and uh, one of them asked me, he said, uh, you know, what would you do if you got up one day and didn't have an idea for a story? I said, well, that'd be the day that I would have no more worries because I'd be dead. You know? <laughs> there seems to be always something it's that you It's always something across. to write about, yeah. When you're wandering around Sweden like this ingenue, this new person, do you see things all the time? You think, Jesus, I could do that for the Irish Times or the Independent or for you know, her.ie or whatever? Yeah, I guess my life is quite small in Edsviken. So when when I'm with my kids like I'm really just a mom most Mm. days so I don't really think that they would like to hear about me making porridge for them in the morning but Mm. as soon as I come into town then yeah but I'm in town maybe twice a month so I try to come in here and like all my creative juices start going oh this is exciting (laughs) but as a mom like I don't really love writing about you know being um, like I like it in some sense but I think that the world Instagram and journalistic articles about being a mom I think there's enough of them and I think mm. there's some wonderful people doing it and it's brilliant but for me it doesn't get me that excited I, I prefer writing about places and people mm. and you know things that are a bit more I guess like a, that give me a bit more escape yeah, than yeah. writing about the thing that uh, I do mundanely every day that I'm also very grateful for and I love my kids <laughs> <laughs> let, let us underline that yeah <laughs> but it, it is it's that thing of you know well, what do I have anything new to say here yeah exactly and there's so many people who fucking don't and they still put and they still say it anyway you know? <laughs> yeah. um how did you get involved with Spuds and Sill which is uh, the drama wing of the Swedish Irish Society so, so to speak yeah so I did the panto for them at Christmas time and I purely did it like I hadn't acted in maybe five or six years. Um, I've been writing and producing and in the theater world, but I haven't actually been on stage. Mm. And I was like, oh, let's see what this is like. And if it's a bit of crack. And I kind of did it for the kids too, like mm. to see mom being silly and funny. And it was the kids adored it. And it was it was super fun. And really the the actual we did, um, I think, a morning or an afternoon in the Irish embassy. And it was lovely. Like that mm. building is beautiful. The apartment's beautiful. And I think some people really enjoyed it. Um, and then they were talking about this play that they do every year. And I was like, oh, I really do not have the time mm. to do that. But then I heard they were doing Dancing at Lunasa. And my auntie is um, an actress at home, Rosaline Linehan. Yeah. And she played Maggie in the Broadway. Very famous actress. Yeah. Uh, Rose yeah. As well, yeah. Um, she played Maggie in the Broadway, in the first ever production of Dancing at Lunasa. And it was the first thing that I saw on stage as a kid that mm. made me want to be an actress. And I was like, oh, I just, I have to do that. And it's been, you know, quite like, it's a lot of work. Like yeah. for, you know, something that you volunteer for and that's supposed to be a little fun and it is really fun but it's also a lot of work so you forget how what a bitch it is to learn lines but um it is i think it'll be worth it i think it's going to be a great show at the end of the day um 
there's a great tradition of, of amateur drama in Ireland. Yeah. Is that how you got into it? Because, I mean, obviously with somebody like Rosalind and the family, it must have been sort of in the walls, so to speak, when you were growing up. Yeah, it was and it wasn't. My own family is not, my immediate family is not theatrical whatsoever. Mm. So Drama queens, but not theatrical. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> my dad is in medicine and my mom was a teacher. Yeah. So to have Rosalind and Fergus, is her late husband is actually my blood relative. Mm. So she's he married her. Mm. Um, but their family, to kind of have that as an outlet for me, I always kind of thought that was like this magical house where all this kind of creativity happened and they played it. I like had this imagination that like I imagined that they were singing at the table and yeah. you know harmonizing away through basically yeah exactly uh basically this musical family that just sung and danced through life which is not the case but um yeah so to have that outlet was wonderful and Fergus used to take me to plays and to, it kind of made our like I'm still very close to Rosalie and I talk to her maybe once every two three weeks mm. and to have that special relationship with someone is really nice. But I didn't get in it through the amateur stuff. I just went to the gaiety um, and did stuff in school. And mm. then my parents, because they weren't from an immediate theater, they were like, you need to get a college degree. So I went and got a BA in arts. And then I went to London and studied drama in central school mm. and tried to get a job out of that. But it's London yeah London was tough like it's mm. you're suddenly a very small fish in a very big pond and it's like headshots and auditions and headshots and yeah. more auditions and that kind of thing you know? yeah that's the musical new fish and musical that's what I wrote about was trying to be a a young girl trying to make it in London as right. auditioning and auditioning and working in restaurants and yeah you become more of a waitress than an actress at one stage yeah there was that old joke about New York is go oh yes I'm an actor oh which slash, restaurant yeah yeah kind of thing actress slash barman actress slash waiter yeah. yeah was that pretty disheartening for you Grace because it's one of those things that when you go over there and it's like for somebody who goes oh I'd love to be a movie star or mm -hmm. I'd love to be a footballer yeah well you're terrible but you had the education you had the skills you went you learned all these things and then you come to a situation where crassly put there's very few actual jobs where yeah. you can make a decent living doing it yeah i remember that many actors in ireland were so jealous of the people who were in fair city i know and there was a lee dunn play called goodbye to the hill which ran in the regency hotel on the north side of dublin for donkey's years okay and the rest of the actors were going those bastards <laughs> in that cast because they've got a stable job and a great wage and this kind yeah. of thing and it ran for years like you know yeah did you was it very disheartening for you to realize that this is this is what it is yeah it of course it was like it it's always hard to face up like you know when you're a kid and you're told you can do anything and you i really believed that i could do it like mm. i really thought this was going to be my path like i'm going to come out of drama school i'm going to audition i'm going to get a part i'm going to be in the west end like mm. it, there was no that's it that yeah. was it yeah. yeah it was there was no question and then to realize that you're you're not just up against people who are as talented as you but you're up against people who've been doing it longer who've yeah. been put in a kind of a more advan advantageous position somehow and a lot of like particularly because I was doing musical stuff yeah. a lot of the like it's a business mm. and that that's kind of what killed my love for it mm. was the fact that they're not really looking for the creativity they're looking for you to fit the role that someone else just played mm -hmm. so unless you're involved with like a new production or you know I got really into doing like plays above pubs and stuff just to have because I love the new the newness of something I, mm. I I didn't want to be monkey number seven on 
a huge ensemble piece that just had to do whatever Jane did before me. Like mm-hmm. that just didn't, that wasn't performing for me. No. But I would have, if I could do it again, I would have stayed, I would have gone and done my degree in London mm-hmm. and then gone home instead of trying to make it in London. I think if I'd gone home and trying to get like smaller parts here and build up and build up, then I could have gone to London. Mm-hmm. But you need to have... A kind of or even done the amateur stuff here just to have a bit of a grounding or at home in Dublin to have a bit of a grounding first before going to the West End where you're literally competing with yeah and like with some of the people there you know you'd be auditioning with people and you'd see someone you'd be like well she's already got the part like what am I doing yeah here? exactly yeah. she was in EastEnders yeah. last week that kind of thing yeah. and they in, in musicals they tended at the time I, they probably still do to give the part to the big TV stars in order to sell the tickets yeah. so you're there going okay so I have to win X Factor first and then I can be in a musical like, then, then I might be in with yeah. a call a chance of a call that kind of thing you know? basically so a lot of the kids that I went to school with started auditioning for X Factor in order to yeah get on somehow like to a musical part it really becomes a, a grubby business then it's it like does. this meat grinder where they're just you know throwing these young people into it and yeah. some people will come through it and the others will just get sort of thrown on the on the scrap heap yeah and like hopefully they have a good support system around them because yeah. it's you know my brother played rugby um he played for ireland and he got injured quite young and it's the same if he didn't have a grounding and a support system and mm. a degree behind him like it it, it felt very similar that you're just left then yeah. and it's like see you later and next, I, like next, next man up next man up yeah. yeah and i remember at central school they were very good at saying you might be on stage the rest of you won't like mm-hmm. they were like two of you will make it so they they were very good at trying to you know tell you that you mightn't yeah. ever step foot on i remember the last performance we did and one year they were like this could be the last time some of you are ever on a stage yeah but of course all of us are thinking yeah, but not me. It's going to be yeah, them. Yeah, it's this Egypt over there. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously not me they're talking about. I'm the star. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's definitely going to happen. But yeah. I feel so sorry yeah, for I, feel, I hope they know. I really <laughs> hope they know they're talking about them. <laughs> it really is. I mean, there's a very competitive business. I've only noticed, as we're talking here, it's in the middle of sort of an international break in, in soccer. Uh-huh. And I see a lot of young journalists coming in and going out as well, just yeah. as quickly, because they just don't make it for whatever yeah. reason. Sometimes it's because they don't have have the talent more often it's because they don't get the opportunity would you say you know in any way has spuds and sill are moving to sweden or are starting to write again over here has that given you back any of the joy maybe that you would have lost in those years in london definitely like the finding my the whole writing thing for me has been a massive kind of re awakening or something of that spirit i had for creativity because you know in London and it wasn't just poor me like you also have to be willing to sacrifice a lot that I wasn't willing to sacrifice so getting paid very little to give up every weekend holidays with mates weddings birthdays and like you you had to because it's not a nine-to-five job it's a job that you're on contract for six to twelve months or something and you just give up everything for it I wasn't willing to sacrifice that and I wasn't willing to kind of live in destitute (laughs) like baked beans on toast for a month in order to get the part and you kind of nearly have to do that you have to give up something to get there like you can't some people are born into something or they're they they manage to get a silver spoon somehow but 
most people, most of the people I know that have made it have had huge sacrifice and they've worked their asses off for it. And I wasn't willing to, I had a really good job in, um, a Japanese restaurant called Nobu and it was a Michelin star restaurant and they were, you know, putting me on the events team and that like that knowledge of having that stable paycheck and being able to say, can I take next Saturday off and can I go to my friend's wedding? And I, that to me at the time was more, uh, what's the word appealing than giving up my whole life to be an ensemble member. Um, but Yes, and I kept up at that time. I kept up doing the amateur stuff in London. I was doing part of um, some musical societies that were very professional and felt very slick. And one director that was involved there has gone on to do. He's working with Bill Cameron and or Bill Kenwright and Cameron McIntosh now. So they they kind of gave me. I I just need to be. I don't need it to be my job, but I need it to be around me. So to have the availability of an amateur thing was brilliant, and I will definitely always. Hopefully, the kids would get a bit more manageable, and I'll have more time to do it. But I will definitely be a part of an amateur society always, if because it does give me that like just being around the plays and the words and the creativity. That's what gets me going for that. Well, it was said if it wasn't for things like that, if it wasn't for, um, you know, for, for amateur soccer or for amateur yeah. drama, that kind of thing, we wouldn't have any friends. We wouldn't have a, no. a context or anything to be in. You no. Know? When you write, what are you trying to say? What are the themes that come back to you every time you sit down? You know, do you find yourself trying to say similar things over and over again? Are you trying to tell your own story, somebody else's story? What is it that comes out when you write? I love people. So I love trying to get to the essence of a person and bring out their weird little quirks and their interesting things that make them this cool person unique from anybody else. That's what, and I do it about myself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Try And it kind of helps you try to figure out who you are a bit. Mm. Like if you write more and more about what's in there, mm. then you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't know I had that in me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do you focus on on the positive things, the bright things about people? Or no, do you- I don't think, I don't think it's, that's not a whole person. So I, mm. I love everything that makes them that person. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a f- pretend person. This is the warts and all kind of thing <laughs> yeah. that you try to get out there, you know? Which is funny because that's what l- I loved about musicals was mm. that it was this positive, bright, sunny place. And yeah. I guess as I got older, I was like, yeah, but life isn't. Yeah. But the musical that I wrote with a bunch of other, we, I didn't make it. A bunch of people made it with me. But um, that shows the kind of the quirkiness and the different. It's not a, it's a very... R- kind of edgy musical yeah, it's yeah. not like uh the sun will come out tomorrow musical <laughs> do you like happy endings though <clears throat> i don't necessarily like happy endings i like things to be tied up yeah um i like it to feel it is the ending mm. but it doesn't have to be rainbows and sunshine i don't like it to be miserable like you know sometimes some of the old irish plays that i'm reading i'm like jesus christ did anything happy ever happen yeah. ever. and then everybody died and everybody died <laughs> because it was raining and they were miserable <laughs> so i don't tend to like to write about like the whole story to be so depressing but um yeah i don't think the ending has to be sunshine dancing at luna so many people will know how that ends they'll know the whole story of it what can people expect when they go to see the show it's on in may isn't it it's on in may i think the 11th and 12th the friday and saturday 
what can they expect? They can expect a group of people who have tried their damnedest to do something that you don't see in Sweden ever. Mm. Like it's an Irish play. So it's a bit of home, a bit of home here in Stockholm. And I think it'll show um, the the crack and the charm of Ireland that we sometimes miss here in Sweden. Mm. So it's it's a taste of home to come and see. Like it's such a beautiful, beautiful play. And it's a, a real Irish feel about it. Like you can't get away from the Irishness of it. So mm. it'll just be a heart warmer, but it's, it's a bit sad too. Will, will we be seeing you on stage or will you be doing direction or what will you be doing? Yeah, I play Chrissy, um, who is the, I think she's the fourth daughter or this, maybe there's one younger than her. I don't know actually who's older and who's younger at this stage. I think she's the fourth youngest. Um, and she has the son, so she has the Michael and she's the one who fell in love and had a child out of wedlock and then cheek of a- I, it's shocking it is shocking and it's kind of hilarious the things that they say that you're like oh jesus women had such a shit time of us <laughs> it's like to this day i'm still going okay how, how do we do it? why do we do that why? Why? And it's in some places it's still going on as well you know i know and the the power the church held over the community and it like it's yeah it's mm. It's laughable, but also kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, we needn't get into all the things that no. we've done, but, uh, but is it, do you think it's going to be an entertaining evening? Is it going to make it, people think, are they going to enjoy it? Are they going to laugh? Are they going to cry? Are they going to want their money back? I, yeah, jeez, yeah, <laughs> I hope they'll keep their, will be allowed to keep their money, but it's, it's super entertaining. It's very pulling at the heartstrings. Uh, James, who plays Michael, he has, I don't know if people know Dancing Luna, so he has a bunch of monologues that kind of start the play and then end act one and start act two and then end the play. And he has this gorgeous voice and he has really just tapped into that character mm. and he he will definitely make, a, he'll definitely shed a tear or two with his rendition of Michael. And it's, the whole thing, while you're celebrating with these girls and you're there saying dance, yes, and you want them to live their happiest lives there, you're also like, this is so sad. Mm. So I think it has a bit of everything, but it's a nice, it's nice in that it tells a really sad story in an uplifting way. Mm. So you're not going, Jesus, this is the most depressing. Like you'll leave, I think, feeling good. Super. Uh, yeah. We might try to attend a rehearsal between now and then. Nice. But, uh, but for now, Grace, thanks so much for dropping in and telling me no all about problem. it. No problem. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. You know, I think I might just start to wear lipstick. <laughs> Steady on there. Today it's lipstick, tomorrow it's the gym bottle. Agnes! Father Jack, your only brother, will be in Ballybeg in one hour. Would you please make yourself presentable? In a family of five sisters, the arrival of one man... The boss, it's coming! can cause consternation. Where are you coming from, yes? Am I home? The arrival of a second. That's him. That's Christina's man up, Jerry. Can create havoc. He's not coming in this house. When are we going to get a decent mirror to see ourselves in? Here I am. Wonderful look. Yes. From the acclaimed director of Circle of Friends. Her whole face alters when she's happy. Comes the story of five incredible women and the men who touch their lives. What brings you to these parts tonight? To say goodbye. You had a few wild notions about our Kate. I had no more interest <laughs> in Curly McDead than the man on the moon. 
have come home to die. Jesus, don't. Can't afford to bury you. That's a fine hat. Your own is very impressive as well. You must do a swap before I go back to Africa. Splendid. Capital Films invites you to discover the spirit of an unforgettable time. Jerry, don't leave me just yet. Academy Award winner Meryl Streep in a story about the music that sets us dancing. It's the festival of Lunasa. I want to dance. And the love that sets us free. There you go, from 1998, the movie trailer, if you like, of Dancing at Lunasa. Will the production in Stockholm be as good as that? No, it'll be even better, lads. Spuds and Sill, look them up on Facebook, find them on the Swedish Irish Society's webpage and go and get your tickets as soon as they will be on sale. Grab them because they will go like hotcakes. I can't wait to see it. I'd say it's going to be brilliant altogether. Wonderful to have uh, some English language theatre and to have people like Grace and all the others who are involved in it. I think it's going to be a wonderful and very joyous performance to welcome in the spring as we head in towards summer. One last thing before I go, right? Uh, Enterprise Ireland in the Nordic region. If you look up Hannah Fraser on LinkedIn, the wonderful, the magical, uh, the incredibly talented and gifted Hannah Fraser. And now I'm only talking about our football. She's even better when she's working for uh, for Enterprise Ireland. They have launched a quarterly Nordic newsletter, right? And it features a lot of the kind of things that we're going to be talking about here in terms of Irish businesses and people doing stuff and companies that are coming over here and hints and tips and what's going on in the Irish community. So I would very strongly advise you if you're interested in any anything that the Chamber of Commerce is doing or Enterprise Ireland is doing, get on board that, right? You can find it on Hannah Fraser's uh, Hannah Fraser's LinkedIn page. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on the Enterprise Ireland Nordic's LinkedIn page as well or hit me up. I'll try. Now, I always say this, right? And only sometimes do I manage to do it. If I can remember when I've exported this episode and made the file that gets fired into your podcast app that you're listening to me on me now, uh, I will try to uh, include it in the show notes. Don't always remember that, lads. So don't be disappointed. Don't be annoyed with me now if I don't do it. You might have to do an extra couple of clicks with the thumb on your phone there before you'll find it. But do sign up for that. Um, a, because there's loads of good information and B, because I'm sure that the Enterprise Ireland boys and girls uh, have a target and they want to get as many people as possible reading it. And so, Jesus, we can all do them the favour by taking an email and having a quick look at it once a month. I don't think that's too much to ask. Right, we are on our way. Not sure how things are going to be over Easter. I'll see what I can manage to pull together. It is mad at the moment now with um, the GA starting up again and all the various things going on in the community uh, I will be bringing you a podcast I'll be doing my absolute best to meet people and talk to people and to give you stories I just don't know if there'll be one on Easter Monday just yet but sure we'll get this one out of the way anyway we'll get the eggs eaten over the Easter and we'll see what we'll do after that in the meantime check in if you need that pop me a message on social media leave a comment somewhere do share this podcast if you can right because as I said, as I was saying earlier on about that story from Cambodia and the GA, it breaks my heart, lads. Uh, when I meet people, I go, oh, I didn't know you had a podcast. That is literally the worst thing you can say to me because you spend so much time spamming the shit out of people on Facebook and on LinkedIn and everything else like that, right? But I don't know everybody, nor do I know everything. I'd say that much is apparent. So if you can share it with somebody, 
And sometimes they need a little bit of a nudge, right? Because they go, oh, yeah, they know it exists, but they've just never had a reason to listen to it. Somebody actually said that to me at the Irish Chamber of Commerce. And I go, yeah, no, I knew it was out there, just never got round to it, right? But give people a nudge. Tell them, yeah, I heard this. What do you think of that? What do you think of the Amateur Drama Society? Should we go and see Dancing in Luna? So we grab a couple of tickets for her. Should I have a listen to that interview with Grace O'Malley? I really enjoyed it, you know? And if that doesn't, maybe it might be the interview that's coming up with Anthony, or it might be something that we've done in the past. But try and share it. Uh, you'll also find everything now on irishinsweden.com, Right, I've created a website to go along with this and I'm transcribing some of the interviews. I'm using a service uh, to test out transcribing some of them. The woman, Anton Foley, who is Sweden, uh, soon the Swedish state, his granddad wanted to read the transcript. So I got one done and I edited it and I fired it up there. So any ideas you have like that, come at me, boys and girls. More than happy. Again, community podcast exists because you do. Support it if you can. Right, that's it. I've done enough of waffling for now. So uh, I shall talk to you again next week. In the meantime, look after yourselves. Look after one another. Spring and summer is coming to the Irish in Sweden. Mm-hmm.